Welcome to Out of the Comfort Zone. When you lead from a base of expertise, your confidence and credibility are derived from your knowledge. People follow you as a result. However, when you take a stretch assignment and span outside of your comfort zone, leading requires a different approach, one of influence, inspiration, compromise, and courage. We are here to talk about how to take that next step and keep going. Now, here is your host, Wanda Wallace. Welcome to Out of the Comfort Zone. During times of uncertainty and chaos, not unlike what we've been experiencing, as a leader, you know that keeping yourself and your team motivated and less stressed is essential. Now, we talk a lot about mindfulness and sleep as well as staying connected, and we know all of those are important. But I think we're missing some key ingredients, and one of those has to do with our sense of identity. That may sound odd, but it really is around who we are, what value we bring to the work we do, and why work matters to us. And I think that might be more important now than ever. So that sense of better sense of identity, peace with ourselves, if you will, is ultimately what we're going to argue today fuels performance. So why is that the case and what can you do about it? Well, that's what we're going to talk about. My guest today is Amy Balak. And Amy is an executive coach, facilitator, writer, and speaker. And I should say that Amy wakes up every morning dedicated to helping her um, clients and leaders understand their inner peace and how that fuels their performance, something she has described as peace over performance. Amy uh, runs a consulting company called Connection Point since 2008, and before launching to Connection Point, she spent 17 years leading sales and solution practices across global firms in the management consulting space and the system integration industries. And Connection Point, I should say, offers a rather unique executive education and team growth experiences, as well as um, some corporate leadership training experiences that bring calm and connection in an increasingly chaotic world. Amy, welcome to the show. I am so delighted to be here, Wanda. It's amazing to finally be here with you after all my time of listening to every, all the wonderful things you put into the world with your guests. So it's a, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. It's, I'm glad to welcome you. There have been some fabulous <laughs> guests, and I'm suspecting you're going to be yet one more of those. Yay. <laughs> so let's start with this topic. Why does this matter to you? Why do you care about this notion of peace? And I'll get to how it attaches to performance in a minute. But what's the problem you're really trying to solve? Well, so as you described in my introduction, Wanda, I had my own corporate career now 12 years working with corporate clients, typically at full pitch of their lives. And most of my clients are what I would describe as in full compression mode. They have the biggest jobs of their life. They're in senior middle management. They have to translate everything that's coming down from the top and then negotiate with their peers and their senior leaders. And you know, we have been living in a ever-increasing accelerated world. And one of the things that um, in all of the collective work that I've done that I saw systemically was we are living in a performance-charged world. It is everyone is wanting to be the high-performer hypo program, high-performance companies, high-performance cars, high-performance parents, everything. And one of the very interesting uh, epiphanies I had through a number of events that happened at the same time in my life, which, you know, there almost is no mistakes, is I began to understand and see 
that we, even though we talk about performance basically as a currency of life practically in all ways, and then we had these sort of sidecar conversations, mindfulness, as you describe in your introduction, wellness, balance, which is still impossible, not possible to achieve. I realized there was a powerful connection. And, you know, it really came to me in a very profound way, but it was a powerful connection that, in fact, we need to understand performance differently than we ever have understood it before to change the conversations with ourselves and others. And that begins with understanding that performance desperately needs the duet of peace. It needs the fuel of it. And we'll talk about what peace I mean, but it's an, it is that inner peace, and we'll get into that later in our conversation. But that's what we're talking about. And the problem I'm trying to solve is the opportunity that I believe exists in everyone. I believe that everyone has this capacity to create a new dialogue within themselves, a new connection of peace or performance that doesn't depend on their circumstances changing. Because sometimes we think when our circumstances change, it'll liberate us. But actually, this work is liberating work. And then we can put intention into where we need to go. So this is exactly um, the conversation I'm trying to have that would affect anybody, but specifically has astronomical effects for people in that compression point I described. Right. And we both know incredibly well that when you've got a leader that is, I'm going to use a different word than peace, more grounded, yes, more comfortable in their own skin, more capable of handling the pushes and pulls, they cascade down something mm-hmm. that is really positive for people that are working for them. And the polar opposite we also know is true when they don't have that sense of groundedness or calm, what they cascade down is explosive, right? detrimental to people's health and well-being. I want to stay for a moment. I just want to echo again, you know, we've been in a high-performance culture for a really, really long time, and we may talk in our talent circles about the importance of potential or living the values or the way hows in which you lead people. But I don't know about you, but every client I interact with um, is way overemphasizing performance mm. over all that. It's like if the performance isn't really high, you can chuck the rest of it out. Mm-hmm. And I get that there's a lot on the line. I get that bottom line really matters. I get that customers are demanding, but you know, competition is fierce. I, I get all of that, but boy, are we on steroids about mm-hmm. this performance, 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 performance. I understand why people are feeling the pressure of it. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. All right. Well, more to come on this one. So, you, I start, tease this by saying it's about identity. And yes. I know that you start with this notion of identity, and you have the sense that I, identities are wholly tied up with their work. Explain what you mean and why you think that's the case, and why does identity matter anyway? So part of the epiphany I was describing earlier is based on, uh, on, on this really powerful differentiation about when it comes to people trying to obtain personal and professional growth and I, and how it relates to identity. What I realized in my practice and also, you know, honestly in myself as well, I'm a, I'm a part of this journey as well, is that if we carry our identity, and my, many of my clients are doing this, 
because we have such a high focus on performance, we can end up carrying our whole identity, our whole selves, our whole worth in our job. And not only in our job, but in the performance of our job. Mm-hmm. And so here's what happens is when the job is going great, my world is great and I'm great with myself. When the job is not going great, I'm destroyed. I'm consumed. Uh, you know, it, 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 it takes me. And what I realized is that when it comes to personal growth and it comes to making our way in a world that is not going to let up on performance really ever, right? It's that's, there's no, there's no letting up on that. Uh, We, we can't gain, we can't put the entire size of our identity, this incredible size and, and an extraordinary aspect of our identity in such a small container of job, even though job is so demanding, so demanding. It doesn't, we can't fit into that container. And what I started to realize with my clients is that was maybe the root cause of an imp- imp- them being impeded towards growth. Because, you know, if you are looking to grow and you want to add another competency into your bag of capability on performance, and you don't have a, a center of identity that's not strapped into job, that, that next you know, pursuit of competency is just going to add more performance pressure. So I realized this. And so the, the idea of identity, I think language is extremely powerful. I think language matters. And we have to create language so we can talk to, to ourselves very differently and have some paradigm shifts. So I began to un tangle this with some simple thought of a paradigm shift of instead of performance creating our peace, our peace is to create our performance. It's switching it around. And then it was an idea of identity. And I have a couple of ways of guiding my clients through exercises of identity. And I talk about the performance self and the peace self, just to give you some practical ways of using language against this. The performance self is what we already know really well. That is the part of you that, you know, stares you in the eyeballs, has three cups of coffee already in the morning when you got up and is telling you to go out and hit the day and make it happen and be the responsible one with a capital R. Don't let anybody down. Don't let your family down. Don't let yourself down. You know, make sure you've got a good review. Make sure that engagement, employee engagement score comes in and you've got the, the, the percentage that you needed. Uh, get the meetings done, everything that has to go on. That's the performance self. And, it's, and I'm not indicting that, by the way. There is no indictment of that. I'm not saying by any stretch performance is bad. But then there is the peace self. And the language of the peace self is knowing that it is radical acceptance. It is knowing that I'm always loved always worthy, and always learning. It's a highly self-compassionate view of self. In our organizations, we have placed a lot of performance on how leaders can be compassionate or empathetic or high EQ. The peace self gives that all to ourselves first, which we must do to be able to extend those things. So the peace self is, hey, I'm good where I'm at in myself the things I like about myself, the things that are hard, the things I've figured out, the things I haven't figured out. 
uh, it's a radical self-acceptance and it's, it, it's a liberating idea that, hey, I am always worthy, loved, and learning. And I'm a being and I'm not just my job. There's many other things. And so we take it in that base of identity. I even break out further as we'll talk about in a minute. But this just starts to give people the linguistic capability to begin to see themselves differently uh, when it comes to performance, identity, and peace. So if I just take that out of psychological language and try to put it in more street language, the simple way of saying it is that identity is ultimately what gives me a sense of self-worth. That's right. A belief that I am worthy, valuable, loved, needed, pick any of those words. That's what gives me that sense. That's right. And that when we have, and I'm going to add to this now, when we have our identity so wrapped up in the performance that we deliver, that's where things like I didn't get the promotion I thought I deserved takes a big hit and we start to question whether or not we're any good at all, as opposed to being able to say, I didn't get the performance there's a host of rational reasons why, and a host of things that are outside of my control. Give it a go next year. That's right. Kind of process. All right. And it's also why the these, I could use some expletives here, forced rankings that we give <laughs> to employees where we're forced to say so much is low and so much of the population is high. If I happen to be one on the receiving end on the lower side, my identity is all tied up around work then that ranking is going to sting more than I think the intention was initially. As in, it's all relative. It's all somebody's turn at some point in time. I'm I'm undermining what people think about some of the ratings. But it's that sense of when I've got my value and myself were so wrapped up in the job that I can't feel valuable or important outside of those external markers of how important I am. And pay would go right along with that. I don't get the bonus or the salary that I think I should have. And then that undermines my sense of value or worth. Right. Describe um, half the coaching clients I have at the moment are struggling in some ways with exactly that problem. Now, I want to add one more piece to this because you said something, I think, in here that was really important. And that is you said that we have the peace self is that we have an acceptance about ourselves that we are loved, worthy, and learning. Mm -hmm. That's the basis from which we can take feedback. Right. Because if you don't feel like you're learning and still worthy, and still loved, still valuable in the business language, then it's very hard to take that feedback as anything other than criticism of you and your worth. That's right. Um, we, you know, you hear the word, and you and I have talked about this on, on our own time, is the imposter syndrome a little mm-hmm. bit. You know, you get into your head about these things. And so what was fascinating to me in my practice, Wanda, was clients who have had many decades of great experience. They've seen a lot of rodeos. But you know what? You and I know this, that when you get into a new career situation and you are constantly aspiring and evolving and you step up maybe to a a, a bigger job than you've ever had before, you go to a new company and maybe you have a kind of a boss that isn't an easy kind of boss for you. Uh, You know, you have different situations. I've seen people with great 
uh, extensive careers suddenly get knocked onto their knees. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it surprises them that they lose themselves so quickly, even though they have, because they're in a new arena. And mm-hmm. this idea of understanding how to fuel your peace self, understand your peace self, is we have to constantly come back to that as a touchstone, always in our life and every season of our life. Uh, we, 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 we can't go hero to zero in every new situation in, in that part of ourselves. What I would like to use these, uh, this phraseology, which is our worth is untouchable. It is our value in the moment and the value in the circumstances that we must learn to navigate and connect with others. We have to learn how to puzzle piece value together and deal with that in a really objective and compassionate way. But your worth, that thing is always untouchable. So it's just the stuff that crevices in. And part of this is um, there is a lot of work to do to get ourselves in a place where peace is more continuously the fuel to our performance. It takes work. It's not something that just happens. Uh, But it it does begin by explicitly talking about it Mm -hmm. and putting it out there and then asking really powerful questions of our own identity. Right. Really powerful questions. That's an important one. Um, I just have to come back to this notion of imposter syndrome for anybody who doesn't know what that means or hasn't encountered the phrase. It means that feeling like it's a matter of time before you find out that I'm not as competent as I'm trying to pretend I am or show that I am. And it's that sense of I feel like a fake. I feel unworthy in many ways. And often the advice is fake it until you make it. And I am so sick of that advice. What good (laughs) is faking it? Like, really, seriously, we all know you don't know it. It's okay. Here's the stat, though, that's interesting. Over 80% of the population experiences imposter syndrome at some time or another. Yeah. And it is not uniquely the realm of women. Men have just as much of a challenge with that as women do. What I find interesting is that what you're describing in this notion of the peace self is getting comfortable with the fact that, yes, I'm going into a new situation. Yes, I don't know everything that might be useful for me to know or that I will eventually know. And that's okay. Right. I can still add value in this moment, but in a different way. And that's heart and soul of my book about how do you get out of the expert's leadership role is learn to add value in different ways. And I love your book, by the way. Thank you very much. (laughs) Much appreciated. Very much appreciated, Amy. All right. So let's turn this back. So we've talked about identity and we've Mm -hmm. talked about identity being wrapped up in the job. And you said, but there are other sources of our identity, components of our identity. How do you unpack those other sources? So uh, it's about, I'm going to bring another word to the table, which is wholeness. So when you are in your peace self, you understand your wholeness. Now, what on earth am I talking about there practically? Okay. What is understanding wholeness? And I literally brought a practical exercise to both my clients, whether I was working with them individually or in teams back in the day before we could, well, when we could see each other actually physically, right? So I would actually write it on stones and ask them to hold this. But here's the three words that are about wholeness. Job, talent, and person. We can know ourselves through these three identities of job, talent, person. Of course. Now, 
If I start with job, certainly we know job. The job is the thing we wake up and we're doing to crack it out in the world. Sometimes we absolutely love what we do and it's so great. And that can create a performance self-trap because we love it so much. What would we be without this job? Sometimes we can't stand the job and we just feel lost and we don't feel uh We don't feel connected to the world because we're not in a job we like or whatever, but the job is just the job. It's what we're pouring ourselves into. But then the other piece of ourselves is talent and to separate that out and understand talent. And talent is this transcendent vessel of who you are in terms of what you contribute. You know, jobs, what you're getting done to get paid, make a living, do what you're doing in the world. But talent is, is can transcend it. So, you know, think I have a client Many, interestingly enough, many of my clients come to me and they don't necessarily have a great language about their own talent outside a job because, you know, they wrote resumes and, you know, resumes look like basically performance inventories on jobs, specifically to a certain job so that you can get hired. But write a resume about what your talent is. It's so different. And see, this is, so I'll give you, let me give you a practical example. So, uh, I had a client who had an enormous, beautiful a career, but he was feeling on edge. And so his talent is really being able to go into highly ambiguous situations and create a wireframe of very powerful order and get people aligned. So he was really good at being a change catalyst and stabilizing at the front end of change and, and being able to work really effectively. And he began to understand, we started to inventory everything he did situationally that his talent always spoke. Mm-hmm. His talent was always clear. And he started to get a vernacular. Uh, I have one client, another one that she's great at creating ecosystems for complex things. And those are now her words for what she can do with her talent. So, we start to speak to our talent and see that as a transcending vessel. And that's really good in these days and times when jobs can be, it can be all over the place. You're switching a lot, a lot's happening. And then person is who you are to be loved and to love in your life without the trappings of career and work. You know, I read a beautiful article, a client sent me, um, you know, about a woman that I think uh, I'm trying to remember her name, Kate, it runs, I think she runs a US division of Microsoft. And she talked about knowing herself as a human and the lessons she learned as a mom is what translated into her leadership. So person is what you do to just live your daily life is how you know yourself without all these things and how you celebrate yourself, how you have compassion. And see, this is where all the other things need to click in. So when you're in your peace self, Truly, you are really in a place of wholeness. You respect all three parts of that. Okay. But in the performance self, what happens is we get overloaded in job. Good job. So it's like job is the 20-ton rock and a talent in process or little pebbles or talent in person or little pebbles along the side, if I stay with the rock metaphor. All right. I'm fascinated by this thing about talent. Um, I know that I have talked to a number of very senior seasoned leaders who are crystal clear about the one or two things that have made them successful over time. Like one that I always like to quote says, he said, I think all I've ever done is spot talented people and get out of their way. Mm. 
And what an interesting understanding of what you bring to the table and therefore how you're going to act on any role that you're given, regardless what it is, size, scope, anything. So this, and when we think about brand, we think about your personal brand, what you really want that to be about is talent, not necessarily the job. Right. So do you have any exercises for helping people understand how to recognize, how to identify their talent? I think uh, this is where it's important to gather up all your most powerful stories that you've Mm -hmm. created in your life and really honor those stories, powerfully honor those stories and tell them to someone like a coach or a mentor or someone else and start to write out what you're hearing yourself say about what what you did to shepherd yourself through those stories and where you where you felt you had your flow and land legs and get that language. And that's sort of the exercise we do. I also think that assessments can be helpful, but only in tandem to this. And I also think you mentioned feedback earlier. Sometimes, I'll be honest, people can give you better language about your own talent than you can give to yourself. You can ask people some very powerful questions about what, what did I do that created resonance in that situation? And it's not, so we think of feedback as we need to get feedback to correct things. There's also an energy of feedback to learn. Uh, people can mirror back things about ourselves that we just can't see unless they tell us what it is. And to have enough advocates in your life and enough mentors in your life that know your stories to help you get a language to tell you, here's why that works for you. And they give you the language. <laughs> There's, um, I think, uh, things like Strengths Finder. Um, for the pros and cons of that is intended to give you some language about talent, but I find it's not nearly unique enough. It's right. very genericized, so it might give you a starting point. But do you remember, Amy, this book, um, What Color Is Your Parachute? Oh, yes. <laughs> because there's some great exercises in there that are very similar to what you're describing right. that have people go through and say, what are the five biggest things that you've accomplished what is it that you used to accomplish those? What was your unique contribution to them? I may be, I may have a different memory than what's actually in the book. But I think that's the similar kind of vein of what you're talking about, taking some of those great accomplishments, significant experiences or crucible moments, we might say sometimes in mm-hmm. coaching and understand what was it that you brought to it. Um, my last comment on this one is occasionally a senior mentor or sponsor actually has a really good, better understanding of your talent than you do. Right. (laughs) It's always good to ask if you've got somebody you trust on that one. Okay. Um, Before we take a break, I have to do this person piece because then I want to come back and talk after break about how we do peace. What is that really about? But person, you said, who are we to be loved and to love as a human in our daily lives and celebrating ourselves? Do you have any skills for tactics for learning about the person identity? I guess one of the big things I always get is people don't celebrate enough of their small joys of their life Mm. and notice them. They take them for granted. We all do that. We can all do that. And it's to start to really, it's very, very simple, but it's start to really, truly enjoy some of the smallest, most powerful things in your life that give you quality of life. Anything else, you've got this beautiful bookshelf behind you. I would enjoy that. Like, in other words, any small thing 
uh, relationships, 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 Mm -hmm. high quality relationships to really dwell in those high quality relationships and do this wildly counterintuitive thing in this high octane performance world, which is instead of working until 11 p.m. for more work, making more time for high quality relationships that are truly going to matter at the very foothills of what your life is really having meaning about, period. Right. Okay. Um, So the small joys, notice those, recognize those things that bring you and and celebrate them, appreciate them. And we're not talking about 15 hours. We can do that in smaller moments, maybe Mm -hmm. a little more than a minute, but actually really appreciate that. The high qualities of life, okay? The people that you care about and they care about you. One of my habits, I have to say, is I have photographs around of the people who are most important in my life. Mm. And it's just that steady reminder that these are the people who truly matter to me. It's awesome. And to stay in touch with them. So any version of that that you can do, really, really important. All right, Amy, perfect point to make, take a break. My guest today is Amy Baylock, executive coach, facilitator, writer, and speaker. As you can tell, Amy's passion is peace, the peace self and the performance self, with the recognition that if you see your whole self, both in the job, in the talent that you bring to any work that you do, and as a person, as a human being, that is what's going to drive a stronger sense of identity, a better sense of peace, and that is the fuel for ultimately for performance, not the other way around. When we come back, I want to pick up on this notion of peace and how to do more of that. We'll be right back. If you want more information on the articles, books, coaching, and seminars we offer, go to our website at www.leadershipforuminc.com. You're sure to find some helpful links, videos, and more to help you create a winning strategy for your organization. Leadership Forum, Inc., helping organizations get it and keep it. This is Wanda Wallace, host of Out of the Comfort Zone. Do you find yourself in a role where your team knows more than you know? Are you struggling to see how you now add value? For years, I've coached leaders who have moved beyond the comfort zone of their expertise and have developed a methodology to help them make the leap and go on to do more. All of those tips are now packed into my new book, You Can't Know It All. Visit our website at leadership-forum.com or tune in to Out of the Comfort Zone for more insight. Hi, I'm Wanda Wallace, host of Out of the Comfort Zone. We have some amazing guests with some incredibly good ideas about how to take your leadership to the next level. But I find people are looking for more practical ways of implementing those ideas. So we've created an individual subscription service specifically to focus on how to apply. You'll find more about that at www.outofthecomfortzone.com. We have two additional subscription services, one for the social group that want to exchange ideas and perspectives with a group and talk about career advancement. And we have a master's level for people who want to take a deeper dive, all on outofthecomfortzone.com. We hope you'll join us. If you want more information on the articles, books, coaching, and seminars we offer, go to our website at www.leadership-forum.com. You're sure to find some helpful links, videos, and more to help you create a winning strategy for your organization. Leadership Forum, helping organizations get it and keep it. 
When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Out of the Comfort Zone. To reach Dr. Wanda Wallace or her guest, call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to wanda.wallace at leadership-forum.com. Now, back to Out of the Comfort Zone. Welcome back to the show. With me today is Amy Baylog. Amy runs a company called Connection Point. She has had a long life running um, leading sales and solution practices in a number in management consulting firms and system integration industries. She works across Fortune 500 organizations in healthcare, media, high-tech, energy, and manufacturing sectors. I suspect that even that one is a shortened list of what she actually does, but you hear, there you go. And it does executive leadership, coaching, speaking engagements, and team activities as well. We've been talking about Amy's um, hashtag, peace over performance, which is the notion that we use our peace self to fuel our performance self. But that as human beings in this modern era, we have gotten so focused on the performance self that we've lost our sense of identity, that we are missing the roundingness of us as human beings that give us the fuel we need to be effective leaders and actually to deliver the performance we would like to do. And that part of that is our identity is solely wrapped up in the job. And what we need to do is expand the identity, not just to the job, but to our talents, the skills, capabilities, approaches, even that we bring to our work, whatever it is we're doing, something I might actually call the brand and our person um, component, who we are as a human being, the people we relate to, the people that matter to us, the things that bring us joy. So job, talent, and person. Okay, Amy, I got to back up for a second because we've been talking for an entire half of this podcast about peace, the peace self, like we actually understood what peace meant. Um, So we should just back up two steps and say, what do you mean by the peace self or peace in general? I'm going to use a metaphor first, and then I'm going to get a little bit more practical after the metaphor. So I, uh, I have a thing for walking in trees. That's a big deal for me. That's how I really get what I call clean energy, where you're present and renewed and ready to go back into the world. And uh, so thinking about a tree, a tree stands there, has been there for ages and ages and ages and has deep roots, and it has weathered so many storms and it is rooted down and it's seen a lot. And that your peace is the kind of peace that is roots you down. As you said earlier, when we first started talking, grounded people, grounded leaders, grounded humans is where we are grounded. And going back to the language we've introduced so far that I'm always worthy, always love learning, all of that. When you, this piece is the piece that knows it's really okay. It knows it's okay. It knows that regardless of life's circumstances and storms, its roots will remain. Mm -hmm. It will never stop being loved. It will never stop being worthy. And it will never stop learning. And it's always going to be fueling into a new place all the time, regardless of circumstances. 
And that's the kind of peace. It's a deep inner peace. And of course, we can add so many other things practically onto that, how we gain it through, mm-hmm. you know, spiritual practices, faith, relationships, everything else that can pour into that. But essentially, that's the core of it. That's the core of peace. And it's unmovable, unmovable, just like a tree that stood there in a storm. Right. Yeah. It sounds lovely. Like, it sounds like the ultimate place we would all like to be. You know, we ha- I have sort of have this image of this, you know, wise person sitting on the top of the mountainside, knowing <laughs> that everything is great and wonderful and glorious and whatever happens will happen and so on. Um, the rest of us don't always live on that mountainside. And so, as you said rightly, the performance drive and demands and the chaos of life can often unrattle that one. Right. Okay. So, I get that if we have the sense of peace self, being truly at peace with ourselves, grounded, rooted, knowing that we can weather any storm, that it's okay. Whatever it is, it's okay. And as you said, that I'm worthy, loved, and learning. It strikes me as that's the place that allows us to do growth mindset in right. Carol Dweck's language. Okay, and But without that, that, it's kind of hard to have growth mindset because I'm not a sense that I'm learning. Okay, fine. Short of going to, you know, a, a camp somewhere and transformational experience or transcendent experience, how do I get that? Can you give me some practical sure. examples? So I have so many clients that have been on this journey with me that have no capacity to do anything like you just described. And they live in a fury of life with kids, huge obligations, and giant jobs. Mm-hmm. So this is about really creating, first of all, a shift in your mind. Second of all, it's about reprioritizing, not looking at reprioritizing the mix of everything in your job, but the mix of everything's in use. I'll give you a practical example. I had a client that was really, truly a high performer at his company, but he was crashing. He had an extremely difficult boss and his boss was, you know, kind of one of those bosses that, you know, he would have been justified to leave the job for. It was a really bad, bad boss situation. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and he, he was taking this into, his, into himself and basically trying to um, outreact his boss and his job, right? And try to outpace the reactions and keep everything under control. And in his performance self, judging himself pretty harshly, pretty critically for the fact that he was in a bad situation and he wasn't set up for success. And maybe that was all his fault. And What else can he do? There was a lot of stuff going on. What we had to do was redefine his identity and reacclimate him to the goodness in his life so he wouldn't go to the skating rink with his daughter and stay on his iPhone, that he would actually skate with her. Um, that instead of rushing from meeting to meeting and, and falling into the reactive scenarios that was created by the boss and the situation he was in, he would take command and, and, and give himself his own balcony time, his own time above the fray, and rethink and go ask new questions and create anticipatory time between his meetings in his day so he wasn't slammed in blindly from one thing to the next and courageously start restaging how they were meeting, how they were having conversations, why they were having conversations and not just being 
responsive to a pattern of behavior that wasn't productive for the relationships, but instead introducing new patterns. But what is important about this is the fuel that started him doing this wasn't me coming to him saying, you need these job competencies to manage this boss. It was more of a conversation is, you know your peace self. Your peace self is extremely powerful. And who you are as a person is amazing and beautiful. And what your talent Once I got his talent story, oh, buddy, you got the equipment to re-engage differently here. And now, instead of looking at his job as the be-all, do-all of his performance, his job was nothing more now than a lab, than a lab. And he could experiment with what he was going to surface that was actually already in him. He just allowed it to lay dormant. And so he became more self-compassionate with his boss and himself. He became more compassionate, and he actually navigated that situation to where he was offered a promotion from another department uh, when there was a downsizing, just because the way he was beginning to handle what other people certainly recognized, he was in a difficult situation, but it was how he was responding to it. And he didn't even really meet the targets because it was impossible in the situation, but he still got promoted. And, you know, the funny end of that story was he got promoted to another bad boss. Of course. (laughs) It was another really tough boss situation and maybe in a way a little bit worse, but his whole demeanor with that didn't even impact him anymore. And he, he, you know, so it's interesting because, you know, the equipment we have, is is grounded in our wholeness. And that's what I'm trying to get to. And I know I'm using some high-level language there, but that example hopefully starts to tap into what I'm talking about, the paradigm shift right. of how you get to that point and how it changes all these critical behaviors that allow you to thrive in really very difficult, complex situations. Great. Amy, this reminds me um, of something I say all the time to people. Uh, so, sadly, bad bosses don't seem to be diminishing in number. In fact, <laughs> if anything, I think they seem to be increasing as a number of these bosses under enormous pressure, and they don't get the lessons from you about getting to the peace self. At least that's what I'm seeing here. Mm-hmm. I think their intentions might be good, but oof, right. some other things are questionable. Um, one of the things that I always say to people when you're trying to deal with a person who's, quote, difficult for you is to stop taking actions to try to change that person to be something they are not going to be. They're right. not going to do it anyway. It's not going to work. And all you're doing is driving yourself crazy. Correct. So you're trying to say in that situation to use your language, what I'm trying to say is I will be okay if you will be different. Mm-hmm. And you're putting all the power in somebody else's hands and they're right. not going to be different. What you're saying instead is turning it back on to say, well, regardless what the situation is, regardless what the job is, I know my talent. I know the strength of my talent. And I know me as a human being and the strength of me as a human being. Exactly. And another part of once you have that, then you have this counterintuitive action you can take because uh, we get into these relationships where they're difficult. And if we're not in our peace self, we may not give ourselves, let me back up for a second and make a point to this. The, um, the root of the word peace, what lives in the root of the word peace is permission. Okay. So 
we don't give ourselves permission if we're only locked away, stolen away into a performance self without any peace to uh, courageously ask in these situations different questions, to courageously go and study context, to courageously not just drop of a hat, react to what is happening, you know, coming at us. Right. To be able to repace the relationship, repace mm-hmm. the conversations, give ourselves anticipatory time and work with and go after rich context, no matter what behaviors are coming at us, we have the confidence that, hey, I'm worthy, I'm loved, I'm learning. And you know what? I trust myself that if I don't just respond to that email, but instead say, hey, Let's go have a conversation first before we get into this. And let me ask you a couple questions and let's get to better context. And I think we'll get where we need to get. There's a million beautiful platforms out there for learning how to have great conversations at work. And I'm a fan of all of them. I think they can all be great. But I think if you're not in your peace self, it's very hard to access those tools. Right. Great. That's a powerful thing. Access the tools for great conversations. Okay. Okay. Let's come back to your guy. Okay. He's with a bad boss. Yeah. And, you know, we do some work to get him to his peace self, recognizing his talent, recognizing what he's like as a human being, as a person, um, and take more control of the situation so he's not being reactive. Now, one of the secrets of this one is you had him stop the meeting to meeting to meeting to meeting craziness Mm -hmm. so that he had moment to think and plan and frame in his head how was he going to ask the questions and what was the intention of this conversation. All right. What I want to know is how did you get him to stop the meeting to meeting to meeting? Like what was the secret sauce for getting him to pause (laughs) briefly? You know, uh, first of all, if, um, you know, you're in the performance, I have these things, I call them performance self traps, which is where we, we might know that we're stuck in performance self. And the little insidious thing that happens in there is you think you have to be involved in everything. It's the typical thing that we see as coaches where people struggle to ascend because they're still doing some level of individual contributor work or, or the reality that most corporations face is we're just understaffed. Uh, we, we just have more, we don't have any good priorities set up in the organization. So everything's on fire at once. So you know what? And then you're going to, and in some cases, uh, like I work with hospital systems, some cases is it is really difficult to drop one of those priorities. You know, in other words, uh, the, the priorities are priorities and right. there's, there's too many of them. So the reality is, is you to be in your peace self and to be radically accepted is you know that no matter who's in this job, the first thing you say is no matter who's in this job, these problems would exist. Mm-hmm. It's not like I'm not performing enough. So I would be this ideal super superhuman and come in here and be on top of all this and work 24 hours a day and solve all these problems and be involved in all this stuff. I mean, that's just that's some insidious little thing in the performance self that says we can do that. And that's ridiculous. Right. And we know that mindfully. What the peace self is about is we have to learn to talk to our heart and our heart is actually very wise. And, I use these other terms just to give you some more language. When we're in our peace self, we're in a safeguarded heart, safeguarded, which means is that I can come in and I can be okay when people are really mad at me because the reality is, is we're going to have to make tough choices. And sometimes when I'm in the middle of management of the organization, 
I have to negotiate and help other leaders around me, above me, next to me, and below me, accept the tough choices that we need to make. And you know what? That's just the way it has to be in some cases. And when we're in a performance self without peace, we're in an unsheltered heart, which is mean that, you know, my worth is up for grabs. And we have this, I think I'm coming back to your question is to get into that space is, first of all, we make the decision that we are going to make some calls. First of all, you know, we are going to, and we're going to take the time to context the reason why we're making the calls and ask the questions. And the truth that you have to remember in these situations, because, you know, the weird thing is I have many clients, I have, I have them all stop sending emails at night. And one of the crazy things they learn is nothing changes. Like, in other words, they, it's not like their emails made all the difference in the world, right? So what really makes what they learn makes the difference is how they come into the moment with their presence, their energy is different. And then suddenly different things are happening in meetings because of that. And, diff- and the conversations are where they're creating the, the, the re-engineering of time, is the high quality of conversations is the re-engineering of time. Um, so that's what's going on. But, you know, they have to first make the decision that if it's okay, this tension of not getting to everything and not being involved, and I just have to make the calls on what things I can step away from and be and, and, and accept that because the other reality is everybody else they're working with feels the exact same way. Yeah. And, you know, and it's not like they're the, you know, you're not the lone ranger in, you know, not being able to handle. <laughs> really? <laughs> Wait a minute. I think too many identities are wrapped up with being the lone ranger, you know, right. <laughs> rush in and solve everything and fix everything and know everything and make everybody happy. Um, This notion you were a little while ago, we're talking about accepting the fact that you're going to have some tough choices to make and that you as a leader are going to be making those calls. Obviously, informed calls, obviously, consultative calls, obviously, counting, you know, many different factors, but you're not going to make everybody happy in that process. It is not possible. And I know that's one of the things that I often hear from senior leaders as they're trying to develop talent underneath them coming up through the curve is, can you run an effective ship even if everybody's not happy? Is that a genuine question? No, that's what, that's a genuine question. That's what they have. My language, not always their language, meaning can you be effective as a leader with a larger group of people where it's not humanly possible to have that large group of people all happy all of the time? I think I think it's it, I, I would change the question. Yeah. Can you be effective if people aren't understanding how whole they are when they're working? Okay. Because people can be you can still be whole, understand your wholeness and still have unhappy days. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I I had a few of those recently myself with the situation <laughs> I've had going on. But you know, you know, but you can be whole. So in other words, if a leader is working with people and recognizing that you know, I understand enough of you as a person. I understand enough of you in your talent. And we're having all those conversations. And I get the realities that you're dealing with in your job. Like, I get those realities. And I get the calls we have to make. And I get that there's going to be some stretches where we're not feeling so great about things. But it doesn't rob me of seeing your wholeness. Mm. And it doesn't rob you of your wholeness. I think you can engage that. But I think if you're trying to surface cut oh, let's just try to make sure everybody stays good, but we're not talking deeply enough in a whole person way at work, that's where you can lose engagement. Because I'm coming in as a transaction 
in a very transactional environment then. And right. it's, it's, and it's highly fractionalized. And that is, that is what's draining people. People want to be whole. Right. So this comes to one of the points that I wanted to make. Oh, we're running out of time too here, um, which is about millennials. Yes. You know, the thing that I hear from millennials, and we should na- now say Gen Z as they are just beginning to come into the workplace, is they want to be seen and treated as a whole person. Yes. Not just as an output engine. So I want you as my manager to care about me as a whole being, which means my interest outside of work, um, the talents that I may or may not be using here, Mm -hmm. my aspirations in work and outside of work, like the adventures I'd like to have, the things in my life that matter to me. They want that sense of wholeness. And what you are describing here, you described it first as a process for me as a leader to understand my whole self, my peace self my job, my talent, and my person, but also as a leader now, turning that back on the teams that we are managing for those individuals and see them in their wholeness, in their job, in their talent, and in their person. I think that's what millennials are asking for. Absolutely. 100%. Okay. Absolutely. Now, let me go one step further on this one. Um, Since we've been very... um, Uh, high level on this one, I'll stay high level, and that has to do with purpose. Mm -hmm. So I think everybody and his brother is focused today on how does my company have a sense of purpose? We're all rewriting our mission and values statements in some ways to capture a sense of purpose. Our employees want to have a sense of meaning and purpose. And I often use the word meaning, what gives me a sense of meaning in the work that I do, what gives me a sense of purpose in the work that I do. It strikes me that some of us may have a really good, clear idea of my purpose and how I do that in the job that I'm currently in. Mm -hmm. Some of us probably don't. And that tuning more into the talent I bring and who I am as a person probably fills in that gap of what matters to me, what gives me a sense of meaning in the work that I'm doing or in the life that I'm living. Mm-hmm. better than a purpose statement. You want to react to that one? Yeah, because when we have wholeness in our identity and we're working from our peace, we know how to be not, we, we don't look at purpose only as some sort of performance goal of here's what I should find a purpose for my life. It really has to be, uh, I can be purposeful in this moment. I can be purposeful, purposeful with, with who I am and what I am and what I bring, period, all the time. And, you know, uh, purpose isn't bad, just like performance isn't bad. Right. But, you know, it just, it, 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 it can't be something where we, we, we don't have a home, in, a home inside ourselves with, with who we are, uh, you know. And then what happens truly is pursuits in life change. Uh, as we, every 10 years we age, we're going to want different things. And, you know, what might make us purposeful in one season of our life to the world could change. But if we are wholeness, if we always keep revisiting and engaging with our wholeness, that in itself derives massive meaning and purpose. Mm. All right. Engage with our wholeness to drive meaning and purpose. Okay. I think there are a couple of um, quotes here that I think are become tweetable quotes. Let me see if I can <laughs> find this other one. 
Um, the one that I love from you is that regardless what the job I'm doing, regardless how good or not good or whatever else, the problems that exist in our organization are going to exist no matter who's in the job. That's right. Disentangle the challenges from me as a human being. That's one of my quotes for you from today. And the second one is the notion that tuning into our wholeness or our peace self our identity as being part of the job, part of our talent, part of who we are as a human being is what should help drive a sense of meaning and purpose in the moments. What gives me meaning in the moment rather than a big story of what gives me purpose. All right, Amy. Awesome. Sadly, we are out of time. Thank you for being a guest today. You're so great. (laughs) <laughs> um, my guest today, Amy Baylog, Connection Point is her company. And the hashtag, if you want to find her, is hashtag peace over performance. If you'd like to find out more about this and other ways of applying the tactics on this show, check out our subscription service at outofthecomfortzone.com. And definitely join us next week for another episode in getting out of your comfort zone. Thank you for joining us today. Tune in for another edition next week with Dr. Wanda Wallace on the Voice America Business Channel. Reach outside your comfort zone this week.